Well, greetings from Bryan, Texas. I, I may need a little bit more lights. I, I told him I'm old school. I, I, don't, I don't have the iPad. I've got my notes. Uh, hey, we, y'all can't sing about the worthiness of God and then give me a few more whoops than Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's an honor to be back. It, it, it really is. Uh, July uh, 2013, C3 commissioned uh, my wife and I, our, our two twins, Luke and Levi, uh, Titus at the time, I think Titus must have been two, uh, one and a half or two, I think he had just turned two, and, and we headed off to Bryan, Texas, started with a little house church uh, of, of just about 15 people, and, uh, and then we, January, February of 2014, we, we launched in downtown Bryan. Uh, and then four years ago, almost four years ago, we moved out to West MLK uh, and, and planted uh, out on West MLK just outside of downtown Bryan. And so, uh, uh, listen, y'all, y'all are, I, I'm used to a little bit of, of, of feedback. Are y'all with me this morning? Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, and so, I mean, don't get sassy, uh, but Y'all, uh, y'all, y'all can, uh, this can be responsive. Y'all can, uh, y'all can talk back, and, and I may even have you talking to your neighbor a little bit this morning. Um, that's just how we're going to roll. Uh, that's in my, in my comfort zone. So let me pray, and then, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into to Luke chapter 5 this morning. Father, we come before you, and God, I just thank you so much just for the opportunity to, to, to be here um, God, as we open up your word, God, my, uh, a prayer that I prayed so often, uh, Lord, get me out of the way. Lord, uh, I think of 1 Thessalonians 1.5 where Paul says that um, our gospel didn't go forth just in, in word only, but, but in power uh, and, and, and when, in conviction and with the full power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's, my, that's my prayer this morning. God, as we open up your word that... Um, we would experience the, the, the power, the presence of, of you. Um, and ultimately that our, our, our hearts, our, our thoughts would be directed back to Jesus, to the Son. Um, and Jesus, that you would be glorified in, in, in all um, that we do today. And thank you already for being glorified in our worship. Uh, we love you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you got Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to try to find a little angle of light here. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 5 says this, On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. <clears throat> but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sons are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, 
pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose before them and he picked up what he had been lying on and he went home glorifying God. And then verse 26, 26 says this, an amazement seized them all. Amazement seized them all. They glorified God and they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. January 1st, uh, our, our family, we had the opportunity. So our family has grown. We left C3 with three boys. We added a fourth, and, and, and then we got, we got the, 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 the baby girl in October of 17. And so January 1st, we made a little road trip down to Angleton, Texas. And we, we headed down. So my, my wife's parents, the in-laws, are both judges in Brazoria County. So they were being sworn in on the first. And so we made the, tre- the trek down. And uh, I, I want y'all to uh, get, imagine this scene. Packed out courtroom. Packed out courtroom in, in, in Brazoria County. Uh, actually, it was a really cool scene. Judges were retiring. New judges were being elected to their first term. Families were, were there in support. Luke, Levi, Titus, and Ben all got to hold the Bible uh, that, that grandma and grandpa were being sworn in on. Uh, but there was one problem. Uh, Mark and Terry, Steph's parents, they, they were the first of the judges to go. And then our crew had to sit in absolute silence for an hour. Um, and so Ruthie, so we're waiting while, while everybody else is getting sworn in. Judges are getting up, giving speeches. It's a very grand event. Ruthie started getting fussy uh, and, and, and restless. And so I just, I wanted to take one for the team and just be a sacrificial servant for my wife. So I took her out into a side hallway, uh, leaving Steph with Luke, Levi, Titus, and Benjamin. <clears throat> and... and uh, and within 15 minutes, our crew absolutely melted. Uh, I think Titus punched Levi. Uh, Levi, yeah, it wasn't funny then. Um, and so, and then Levi elbows Titus, and, and then Titus just melts down at a 9.2 volume level in front of 300 people. And so my wife, like who we just, you know, paraded up in front of everybody and the kids' hands are on the Bibles. And so then she has to carry the seven-year-old out uh, screaming and, and fussing because of the elbow. Um, and, and she brings him out. And as I'm talking to Titus, uh, and, I, and I finally, uh, you know, I'm explaining to, to him that seven-year-olds don't melt down like this. Uh, and and I, I get him off to a side hallway. He finally calms down. Uh, and after about five minutes, he, he looks over um, and explains that he is absolutely dying of boredom. And while I, I want you to understand, while, while others sat in that courtroom uh, and, and, and took it all in, right? Uh, an 80-year-old building and, and just the, uh, the significance of the moment, judges retiring, judges giving speeches, four-year terms being inaugurated, uh, this very big ceremonial deal, and, and our boys are bored out of their minds, no sense of no sense of the significance of the moment, uh, definitely not wowed by the moment or, or the accomplishment of their grandpa and grandma. Uh, I'm describing a courtroom scene from last month, 
But I, can I be honest with you? I could also be describing a lot of churches. Y'all with me this morning? If you're with me, say amen. Bunch of, bunch of spiritual children sitting around, bored out of their minds for an hour. Some of them fighting, very few with any sense of, of uh, the awe or, or, or wonder of the God who has called them out, brought them together, commissioned them to reach the nations for his glory. And this shouldn't be. Exodus 15, 11 says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonder? Deuteronomy 10, 21 says, He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. And then if you fast forward all the way to the end of the scriptures, Revelation 15, 4, who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come to you and worship you in your righteous acts, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so I would just kind of bring it full circle as, as we dive into the text this morning. What about you? Have, have you lost your, your awe of God? Have you, have you lost the sense of, of the wonder of, of who He is and what He's accomplished? A sense of His great love for you and His love for the world around you. I, I believe, church, that God is, is calling us. He's calling His church to recapture that all. This, this is the vision of Restoration Church, Brian, for 2019. Is, see, is, is the church, whether, whether it's, listen, whether we're walking through conflict and, and hard seasons, or whether it's really good, both, both of those scenarios can draw us away from just a, a, a simple uh, wonder and awe and amazement of who God is. So what about you? See, our boredom so many times, I think, just it, it stems from giving ourselves over to just empty stimulation and um, uh, empty idols that don't satisfy. But God's calling us out of the same old, same old. He's calling us to recapture that all. And I, and I think as we as we dive into Luke five, I think there's there's a lesson to learn to that, that we can recapture the all of God. And and we we need we need some reminders from Luke five if we're going to press in to God through Jesus. Well, and so as we pick it up. Mark 2 tells us, we, we don't learn this from Luke 5, Mark 2 tells us that this scene actually took place in Capernaum. Um, and, and, and ultimately, the Luke 5 account, it, it's interesting, everything is, is building up to verse 26. Everything is, is building up to that pivotal, pivotal moment where, um, you know, you've got antagonists, You've got, you've got just the crowd. You've got the dude who's been healed. You've got some disciples. And they all, they, they all of them experience this awe and amazement as Jesus shows up and shows out in power. And so uh, the first thing that I want to say this morning is expectancy and awe are close companions. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, expectancy Look at your other neighbor and say, awe. There you go. If you didn't have another neighbor, you can just look off to the side. That's fine. Expectancy and awe are close companions. Look at, as you look at verse 17 through 19, 
right? And, and I, well, it says, uh, uh, and I'll pick it up in 18. Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. They were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, finding no way to bring him in. Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. See, in our building, uh, we're in this old refurbished elementary, and and uh, some of our members, they told me that I missed the golden opportunity uh, when I preached this at Restoration, because we've had so much roof damage from rain that, like, uh, there's been all these leaks, and there's these ceiling tiles already missing in our building. I I, could have used that moment to point up and just say, we're ready. You know, we're already ready for it. Uh, But this ceiling's looking a little more solid. Um, but it says the men, they, 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 were, they were seeking to bring him in. Uh, and, and you say, well, who, what was the object of their search? Jesus was. Jesus was the object of their search. But in verse 19, they, they, they encounter this roadblock. The, the crowd is so dense that they can't even get a foot in the door. And how easy would it have been at that point to say, well, you know, we tried. I guess it's just not meant for Bob to be healed today. You know, I guess we'll just, we'll just pack it up. Um, no, they had come that day fully expecting to experience the power of God. And the obstacle, whatever obstacles before them, wasn't meant as a sign to shut it down. It was meant to bolster their faith and expectancy. And they pressed on because they weren't going home until they encountered Jesus. Amen? Church, we need that. We need that, uh, that, that expectancy right? Expectancy in all our close companions. And so, again, they get up on the roof. They, they, they cut out ceiling tiles. They, they lower their friend with his bed into the presence of Jesus. Wow! Just get that. So many times we read scripture, and we need to let just the, the moment and that scene sink in. And, but don't miss the expectancy of these, of these dudes. That, um, Expectancy and awe, it's, it's, no, it's no better illustrated than I think with, with kids on Christmas Day. Uh, last month, I was talking to my friend Ashley. Uh, Ashley cuts my hair from time to time. I, I go to her because it's free. Um, and, and so, because when you're a church planter in the hood, balling on a budget, that's, that's always good. And, and so, uh, Ashley's telling me about her son Hayden, who's in seventh grade. And Hayden... Uh, got up at 3.30 in the morning on Christmas. And she's like, oh, he's, he's going to go, he's going to the bathroom. He's, and then a pot of coffee starts brewing. And then he wakes up mom and is like, hey, it's Christmas, let's do this. And I thought, oh gosh, that's, that's crazy. And then I realized that was my kids on Christmas Day too. Uh, under great threat of, uh, you know, we were waiting on the grandparents to get in. We, we had to barricade them in their room so they wouldn't leave. Uh, but but here, here's the thing. It was because the anticipation is killing them. And all of that expectancy overflows into awe and wonder as they, they get to dig into their gifts on Christmas Day. Church, we need an expectancy that overflows into awe. Amen? Man, like, we, we need to get up on the roof and remove some ceiling tiles type of expectancy. And be sure to arm your expectancy with diligent perseverance. 
just like these guys did that day. Because without, without consistent pursuit of God, I think that's where we just kind of get in this, this crazy cycle of, of spiritual highs and lows, but we never really fully grasp a, a sense of, the, of awe and, and the wonder of God. And here in Luke 5, make no mistake, y'all, all, all was coming. Like Jesus was about to, he was about to show up. He was about to, to show out. A miracle was about to go down. But on the front end of, of all of it was this faith-driven, persevering, crazy expectancy that meeting with Jesus was worth fighting for. That meeting with Jesus was worth pressing through obstacles. And, and just as a, as a total side note, um, make sure you, you've got some friends in your life like this. Amen? Like, make sure you got some friends in your corner who are so passionate about your healing and your getting in the presence of Jesus that, that they'll do whatever it takes for you. Second thing this morning is this. All and self-righteousness don't mix. All and self-righteousness don't mix. Find your, find your trusty neighbor and say, all self-righteousness don't mix. All right, man. Y'all might, might need some more coffee. But look at the response. Look at verses 20 through 23. Look at the response of the, of the, the, the self-righteous Pharisees. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? And so, the Pharisees, they're, they're crying foul. They're, they're crying out blasphemy. Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Ding, ding, ding. Like, I, I think you might be onto something, Pharisees. I, I, I think you might have just hit the nail on the head. Could it be that, that God is standing right in front of you, but you're so, you're so blinded by your own pride, you're, you're so blinded by your own self-sufficiency and self-righteousness that you can't see perfect righteousness when it's right in front of you? That was the problem. See, they, they saw, the Pharisees saw themselves as church, they saw themselves as the gatekeepers of righteousness. And they had so saddled the people with the law, the burden of the law, that they even added, added extra laws for good measure. But, but in so doing, they, they completely neglected the heart of the law, which was to love God and to love others. And they also neglected their own hearts in the process that were far from God. And so all of it led to them completely missing it that day. They completely missed it. That's, and, and, and that's why when the miracle went down, they weren't awed. When the miracle went down, they weren't amazed. They weren't left in wonder. They weren't left with any sense of, of, of that, those things. They were wondering how to get rid of, of this troublemaker. He was, he was stealing their glory. He was stealing their power and their control. 
<laughs> you, ever, you, ever tried to, you ever tried to get bread to, to rise without yeast? Like, that's kind of like the essential ingredient, you know? Uh, uh, there's been a couple times where, uh, I'm not going to name names, but it's been left out in the Brooks household in some uh, bread baking uh, endeavors. And um, it's, a, it's a funny sight, bread that falls flat. Um, church, what's not funny is worship that falls flat. But it happens and it's because we're, we're expecting our, our awe and our wonder of God to, to rise without the essential ingredients of brokenness and humility. Throw out a little bit of application. Um, church, could, could it be that there's so little awe um, in the church today because we're, we're a lot more like the Pharisees than we'd like to admit? We're so... We're so busy, we get so busy comparing ourselves with others. Half the time, we've kind of got our own made-up rules and expectations for the church. And, it, and it, it hasn't led us to love God more or to love others more. It's only fostered more self-righteousness and pride. So, so often, you know, we're, we're left asking, man, where is, where is this sense of, of awe and, and wonder of who God is and, and what he's done when, when is he going to reveal himself? When is his power going to be manifested in our midst? But if we continue to kind of perpetuate this, this false dichotomy of the sinners out there, right? Everybody out there, you know, the out there while neglecting the sin in our own hearts. Neglecting the sin in our own hearts. Listen, we're never going to come to grips with our own depravity, our own brokenness. We'll never humble ourselves because we haven't admitted our, our bankruptcy before a holy God. The bottom line is, is this. None of us would have the audacity to say, well, I, I am sinless. But you know what we are thinking? Like, I'm a lot better than him. I'm a lot better than her. I'm a lot, I'm a lot better than, than them. Y'all, that's exactly how the Pharisees thought. And that's exactly why they were not awed by the presence and power of Jesus that day. Jonathan Dodson says it like this, pastor out of Austin, when pride cannibalizes awe, it prevents us from seeing true greatness. Say that again, when pride cannibalizes awe, it prevents us from seeing true greatness. And I would add, it, it just prevents us from seeing beyond ourselves. Third thing this morning is this, we should be awed by forgiveness and healing. I'm going to give you a break. You don't even have to talk to your neighbor. We should be awed by forgiveness and healing, church. Verse 24 and 25 says this, and I'll go through 26. But that you may know that the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them, and they glorified God. They were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. See, which is easier? You know, anybody, anybody can say your sins are forgiven. You know, I can, man, John, your sins are forgiven. Hey, Jeremy, your sins are forgiven. I, man, that's a divine prerogative, right? 
That, that ain't my deal. And so it's forgiveness is a divine prerogative, but, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Jesus, Jesus looks at the guy and basically is like, hey, bro, you might want to put that mat on Craigslist, okay? It's fixing to go down. He says, get up, pick up your bed, go. He was healed immediately on the spot. And the man rose, he picked up his bed, and the text tells us he went home glorifying God. Understand, Jesus didn't just heal is, is like a cool party trick. And he didn't always heal everyone everywhere he went. He healed for a very specific reason, to validate his message that he was the Messiah. He healed to demonstrate his sovereignty over sin and his authority to forgive. And, and remember the Pharisees' words, who, who can heal but God alone. Who do you think you are? Who can heal but God alone? It's ultimately as if Jesus was saying, you're right. You're right, Pharisees. Only God can forgive sins. There's no amount of work you can put in, no, no, no number of prayers you can pray, no amount of self-righteousness that can undo the, the stain of sin and, and brokenness of man. But just so I'm clear, Pay attention to what's going, going down. This man who, who has been paralyzed is about to get up and walk to demonstrate that my words are true and powerful and transforming. And when I say he's forgiven, he's forgiven. And because only God can forgive, I'm going to let you guys fill in the blanks. Now, it's interesting that the, the Greek for um, when he says your sins are forgiven, it's in the perfect tense. I love that. It just emphasizes this abiding state of forgiveness. To forgive is to remove the guilt resulting from the wrongdoing. It's to pardon. Y'all, that church, that's good news. It's good news. Let me ask you something, church. Do, like, do, 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 you, do you believe that your sins are forgiven? Do you believe that your sins are, do you take Jesus at his word when he says it's, it's done? 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the un unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Hebrews 10.12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It's done. Now, let me ask you another question. Do you, do you believe that God is limited or that his hand is somehow shortened in reaching anyone no matter how far they've fallen? No matter how hopeless the situation or how broken. Do you, do you rejoice? Church, listen to me. Do you rejoice when you see others receiving and responding to the grace of God and Jesus? And I say that because, church, if we're not awed by others experiencing the grace and power of God, something is wrong with us. If we're not awed by others receiving the grace of God through Jesus, something is wrong. If we're desensitized to the forgiveness and healing, it, it may be because we are the Pharisees. We are the self-righteous who cannot see beyond the parameters of our own pride. Y'all, I, I get it. I, I grew up in the church. I came to faith at eight years old. 
And, and it was real and, and it was legit and it's been a lifetime of, of ups and downs and growth. But listen, we should still be awed by Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift. Does that, like, that should awe you. Like, if you grew up in the church, you grew up here in John 3, 16, but, but the fact that God's love would be manifested in giving his son for you, man, that, you should just say, wow, that should awe you. Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. I get death for all my sin, but, man, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, the hope of eternal life. I'm like, man, I, I need to listen to some more Andrew Peterson so I can be reminded about the kingdom and eternity. We should be awed by the picture of Revelation where, where every tongue and tribe and nation is gathered around the throne. We should be awed by the fact that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a new creation in Christ right now. But we just let that roll off of us. We've lost, the, we've lost the awe. And I'll close with this this morning. It's still early in the year. Uh, see, in January, not, not all of you, but if you're like me, in January, you, you make resolutions and you set goals. And then in February, you say, I'm going to get serious now about those resolutions I made last month. This is the time. Or maybe March. Problem is, most of us like cake more than we like cardio. Um, Jonathan Edwards made 70 spiritual resolutions, most when he was a teenager, uh, at Yale. Because we were all at Yale when we were teens. And uh, there was a Babylon Bee article last, last month that, that uh, it, it was a supposed quote from Jonathan Edwards that just said, oh, you made resolutions? That's cute. <laughs> See, the, the natural pull for us, I think, as we walk away from a passage like this or even a message like this is to say, I I'm resolved. Like, I'm going to think less of myself and I'm going to be awed by God, right? <laughs> but the truth is, it's easy to be consumed with self. It, it is the value system of this world, energized by an enemy who is all about self, so if we're going to recapture the awe of God, y'all, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle of your affections and your priorities and your thinking. It's going to be a battle of just daily crucifying uh, those idols that keep you distracted and dulled and deadened to the wonder and the glory of God. Another Jonathan Dodson quote, Dodson says this, the way out of pride is worship. To, to look upon a God who is greater than ourselves, we recover all when we acknowledge the greatness of his sacrifice, the depth of our sin, and the height of his love, all in the person of Christ. Amen? Man, church, are, 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 you, are you bored? How, how in the world could we get bored with redemption? With, with the God who removes the, the, the stain of our sin and our guilt and sets us free. How in the world? Have you become desensitized? Have you become desensitized to the things of God? 
How in the world could we become numb to a God who draws near and He freely, freely gives us Himself in His presence? Paul David Tripp says we were created to live our lives in the shadow of awe. But church, it's like we've got awe amnesia. It's like we've got this awe amnesia. Y'all, there, there is so much more. There, there is so much more. See, sin is an awe stealer. Sin rips divine wonder from our heart and, and, and our mind. A, a, a wonder that is supposed to shape us. Like We're supposed to walk around like just living in this wonder of who God is and what he's accomplished through Jesus. But sin just steals that right from our hearts and our thinking. It's a wonder that's supposed to shape our core values our character. It's, it's supposed to shape the trajectory of our lives. And sin inevitably will, will fill that void with lesser things that leave us empty and bored. And sin blinds us. It blinds us to the glory and just that sense of, of wonder that can only come from knowing and walking with Jesus. Church, There are adventures that you can't even imagine waiting that will only be activated by by faith. There is awe on the other side of expectancy in your life. There is awe on the other side of humility. And God's calling us to that. The question is, are we going to recapture that awe? Y'all pray with me this morning.